I think we've had quite a few questions submitted, which I'm going to try and work into the format of it. And I think the other people coming on to speak will be Nick, who's uh, going to be releasing this on his podcast. Say hi. Hi, Pete. My podcast is Finding Your Flow. It is about individuals who've had success and are finding their flow or are in their flow with um, ADHD. Awesome. Yeah. And then I think maybe if we're lucky at the end, uh, this guy called Khaled might drop on for a couple of questions. Who's, who's, a, who's a doctor himself and part of the community. Okay. I know that we're pushing for an hour. I, I would ask if we'd be close to 45, 50 minutes Ooh, just okay. because um, my daughter does come home at about 3.20 and it is her birthday tomorrow morning. So I promised her uh, that tonight's dinner, tonight's dinner would be basically ice cream. So I have to go out and buy ice cream. <laughs> cool. Let's get running straight off the bat. So I yep. think for a few sort of talking points we can run through in this as a kind of structure, we're, we're going to look a bit at the entrepreneurship and uh, your work and also your views on the relationship between entrepreneurship and ADHD and then we can move into the aspects in your book and uh, the content you produce in your podcast where you talk about managing your lifestyle and ADHD and, and the ways in which to structure your life and the tips and tricks that, that can be used to not treat or manage ADHD but enhance it because it's not an illness it is a superpower and it then, is yeah and then we want to have Nick come on and, and chat a bit about exercise, which is a big thing for you, Peter, isn't it? Yep. And Nick is a, a, a personal trainer and actually works with a, a lot of people who have ADHD yep. as well. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've got a few questions, Pete. I'm uh, really interested in the mind-muscle connection. Yeah, by all means. I guess if, if we start out, Pete, thank you for being here. I was recommended your book by a manager I had at a tech startup. I was at an AI startup and this guy came on to manage me who was a ex-senior product manager with Amazon who was sort of you know, elite Jedi class of techies in my mind. And he was the first manager I had who had ADHD. And I'd been making some sort of classic ADD mistakes at work, just being late, making comments I hadn't thought through. And he was roasting on me. Uh, and then he said, I've got ADHD. It's not an excuse. It's a superpower. Read this book. And I read it and I saw you literally had put your email address in it. So I emailed you and then you got back to me like a couple of months later and, and here we are. Yeah, it's funny. Putting my email address in my book that's going to be seen by hopefully millions of people, whatever, is classic ADHD. Who the fuck does that? Who, who puts <laughs> their email address, their mobile? I'm a corporate keynote speaker and when I speak, I put my cell phone number on my slide and there's always one asshole who calls it in the middle of my speech oh yeah it is the number how about that i'm like yeah thanks but what's so funny about that is is that's totally something an adhd person would do why wouldn't we right <laughs> let's connect and then of course there's the, the premise someone once joked with me that it's anything you do when you're on an illegal stimulant right you're on an illegal stimulant with your friends at the bar and you've just we should start a business awesome we're gonna do this whole thing i'm gonna create blah, 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 blah. you wake up at three in the morning what the f no we're not gonna do any of that shit no this is ridiculous <laughs> But, but that's like having ADHD all the time is that you have yeah. these ideas and you have these ideas and, and the key is that some of them are really good. And I've staked my career on ideas that, that other people might think are crazy, but are really good. And at the end of the day, mm. some of them paid off big time and some of them failed miserably. But I think that the thing about ADHD is that if, if you premise yourself correctly, you have the ability to take those ideas and run with them. And that is not something that most people, most neurotypical people are willing to do. I think when you understand what ADHD can do and the benefits of it, and you have your ways of removing the negatives, or at least mm. minimizing as much as possible the negatives, you really start to enjoy the crazy 
and how it can work and how it can benefit you. Understanding that it's not for everyone and you have to put these rules and things into place or you really can go screaming off the rails. And I've done that too, right? I will, for all the new people that have joined, I will jump back on video to show you that I do exist. And then I'm also in my bedroom because my daughter will be coming home any minute and it's she comes in like a Tasmanian devil and we don't need that. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's really about understanding that what I do and how I do it is designed to, everything I do is designed to enhance my ADHD, to benefit my life, to make me better, smarter, faster, stronger, harder to kill, and to minimize the downsides that come with it. And then we can talk about exercise later, but the, the basic premise is that once I realized I was different, and once I was diagnosed, everything that I do and everything I did and everything I had in my brain, it started to make sense. And I started to realize, okay, mm. all that weird shit that I was doing that I got in trouble for, or that I used to get made fun of for, or whatever, I was doing for a reason. Yeah. And it justified every single moment of that. The everything. Think about kids with ADHD. They are usually labeled as inattentive and disruptive in class. My report card every single quarter was needs to focus better in class, inability to sit still, does not pay attention, disruptive. ADHD is the inability of your body to produce as much dopamine, serotonin, and adrenaline as mm. a normal brain. Dopamine, serotonin, and adrenaline are the three chemicals in your brain that your body makes when you have to focus on stuff you don't want to focus on. Oh, it's math time. Okay, here's some dopamine. Sit down, do the math. Even though you don't love it, you'll have enough chemicals in your brain to focus on it. When you have ADHD, you don't have those chemicals. So what do we do? We, our bodies automatically, instinctively look for ways to get those chemicals, right? When you're in a class and you have a sense of humor, what's the best way to get those chemicals? Crack a joke, usually at the expense of the teacher or something that disrupts the class. What happens? The class laughs. What happens when someone laughs with you because you just told a joke? Your body gets dopamine. I was disruptive because I was trying to learn. That's what's so messed up about ADHD. I was disruptive because I, I didn't know at the time, but I was literally trying to get the dopamine so I could sit down and focus on the lessons. Once I realized that, mind you, it came out way too late to help me in school. I realized that everything in my life could be tailored and fixed and made better if I did certain things, mostly things I was doing already. And so I designed these life rules and the life rules were the fundamental core of the book. Things like I need my sleep. I used to be this like, oh, I get three hours a night and I drink sugar cubes and all that. This bullshit. You'll kill yourself. <laughs> I, my daughter is out at 8 p.m. I, she's turning eight tomorrow. So she goes to sleep at 8 p.m. I'm up at, I go to sleep at 8.30. I'm out like a half an hour later. The difference is I'm up at 3.30 in the morning and I'm up at 3.30 in the morning to get on my bike. Literally is I'm on my bed because I told you my kid, here's my bike, eight inches from my bed. Okay. I wake up, I get on the bike. It is right there. I have, I have taken the ability of coming up with an excuse as to why I don't want to ride completely out of the equation. I sleep in my gym clothes, alarm goes off or the lights come on automatically. I'm on my bike. And so that gives the dopamine I need. So you put together these rules. My closet has two sides to it. One's labeled speaking office slash travel and it's, it's t-shirts and jeans. The other side is speaking slash TV. It's button down shirt jackets and jeans. Everything else is in my daughter's room. Because if I had to think about it, oh, that sweater. I remember that sweater. Larry gave me that sweater. I wonder how she's <laughs> It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room on Facebook. I haven't left the house. This is one of the things I love the most in your book where you say, and I sent you this a screenshot of an, an order I made from John Lewis where I just oh, yeah, bought I saw that. Black, 20, right, black shirts, right. and 20 black t-shirts. The difference this makes <laughs> my morning because I wake up and I have no excuse to mess around. I have a shower, meditate, put on my black t-shirt. There's nothing, no mess, no distractions. I'm there working, coffee in hand, and reducing the choice 
yeah. is reducing yeah. the friction between you and what you want to be doing. And not to mention, in your life, there are choices that you actually want to have. What you should wear in the morning is rarely one of them. I have, it's funny, I have a, a small coaching practice. I coach about, on average, eight people at any given time, mostly because it's not what I do for a living. I make my money for speaking, it's consulting and things like that. But I, I like to help. So I have this consulting, it's shankminds.com slash ADHD coaching. And the first lesson I tell them, is I asked them, it's funny because I'll be coaching like some 25 year old girl and the first question I ask her, so what do you wear? And it's like, I don't mean it like that. I need to know what your clothing style is. What are you wearing first thing in the morning, right? What do you put on? How do you get dressed? And when they realize the logic, guys and girls, when anyone realizes the logic, they're like, holy shit, just like you did. Oh my God, this is a game changer. So at the end of the day, the goal is really, I, I eliminate as much choice as possible. I eliminate choice food. My daughter and I, when she was like three or four and she wanted, because I'm a single dad, it's pretty much all on me. So when she wanted pizza, I'd order a pizza. She'd have two slices, I'd have six. That did not go over well for my waistline. <laughs> so now we don't order pizza. We go to the pizza place. We might take two people, two slices of pizza home and she'll have a juice of the pizza and I'll make myself a salad or something like that. So again, it's really about figuring out ways to diminish choice and diminish the stupid shit, right? Diminish the things that you're doing so that you wind up only focusing on the things that matter. Wow, man, you've gone through so much <laughs> great stuff right there. And I think for anyone hearing this and thinking, oh my God, this is the best I've ever heard. What he's just said is nothing. You know, his, his book and, and the body of work Peter's produced, you know, this is just- It's funny. So I'm looking at some of the comments here. People are, someone said, oh, it'd be advisable to take notes from this. Yes, it would. It's advisable to take notes from almost any Zoom, but we, as ADHD, we sit there and we don't think about taking notes until it's over. Right? Oh, shit, I'm taking notes on that. So, there's guys, there's an AI for that. There's an AI called fireflies.ai. All right? And then fireflies.ai, in fact, this Zoom was on my calendar. There should have been a fireflies.ai request to join the meeting from me. And I don't know if you admitted it or not, but fireflies.ai automatically transcribes. It just listens to everyone who talks and transcribes them as person A, person B, person C. And then for me, it automatically sends it to Slack. So I know that there is always a Slack folder on my, in my Slack that has every Zoom call I've ever had. And when I'm searching for ADHD or I'm searching for whatever words I was, I'm looking for, chances are the AI picked it up and put it into the chat for me so I can find it. What's the price? 99 bucks a year. So I'm of the opinion that if there's shit that I have to figure out how to do and I don't remember to do it, if there is tech that will do it for me, I will pay for that tech. My lights, if you look at the corner of my, my room, you can't see them because they're not on, but my entire lights, all my lights in my, in my apartment are automated and they're voice activated. Here, watch behind me. Computer, house lights 100%. So the next 10 seconds or whatever, that'll turn on the lights. You'll see them behind me in a minute. Oh. Yeah, there's, there goes the hall light. <laughs> okay, and I'm, I'm looking for the big master bedroom light. We'll come on in a minute, the, the, the wraparound wire light. And the point is that all those lights are designed, there it goes, all those lights are designed so I don't have to think about them. 3.30 in the morning, those lights start coming up, 5%, 10%, 15%, 20% over the course of like 20 minutes. And so I don't get this, oh my God, lights are I'm gonna die. But rather I get a sunrise effect. So over the course of 20 minutes, lights go from zero, zero to 100%, computer, house lights off. And then I'm awake. I don't have to worry about an alarm clock and whatever, I'm just up. If the lights come on and the shades start coming up, all these shades are controlled as well. So if everything starts coming up automatically, that's tech that I don't have to think about. 
the technology that exists today to get this shit done and to get you on track. You can do this with Alexa. I, I use, I don't use Philips, I use Sylvania, but same thing. It's all connected to, to, sorry, I didn't mean to turn on anyone's lights back there. I was once <laughs> on CNN and I was talking about, I, I'm, I'm a talking head on CNN. I was once on CNN and I was talking about what Alexa can do. And I said, to make sure you don't want to say, for instance, Alexa, play porn. And I just saw the producer's <laughs> face go white and he totally went pale. And we cut to commercial and he goes, you knew exactly what you were freaking doing right there. It was awesome. Can but, I ask, ask you something, Buddha? So yeah. when you were speaking, like you've clearly got that, that ADHD superpower energy. And that made me think is there's a chapter in your book when you talk about, based on this idea of removing choice, that it wasn't actually the faster normal book. It was one of your uh, cust CS, like customer service books okay. you're writing, but you wrote it. But basically, for anyone listening, he bought a five grand plane ticket to Japan, oh, yeah. wrote his book, got there, got back on the plane, wrote the rest of his book. And my question is, A, run through that because you're going to tell that better than I did. But also, when you're doing your audiobook in flow when you're recording it. It's funny because in my audiobook, I, I sound like this. I talk about how the things I want to do are really important. Do you know it took four days to record that book? It should have taken three hours. It took four days to record that book because every five seconds, the, the producer in, in my ear kept saying, okay, that was great. We're going to do that again. That line again, a little slower because I just, I speak fast. And it got to the point where she was literally every lunch, okay, great. Let's just take it a little slower. And I, I had, a, at one point I had to hold on to the desk to remind myself just to speak slower. But I think that the key for me, one of the things I've trained myself to do, because again, I'm a corporate keynote speaker. I'm on the road pre-COVID before we, we were all going to die from like breathing. I was on the road a quarter million <laughs> miles a year. I'm getting on stage next Friday in Texas. And I'm so excited to give a speech again in person. But I am on stage. I was on stage probably, I don't know, a hundred times a year. And I speak super fast and I go off on tangents all the time. But I've trained myself so that everything I speak about comes back to a point. So, so if I'm talking about the specific concept of consumer transparency or being relevant to your audience, I will always come back to that point. And that's what the best storytellers can do is they can come back to a point. So the beauty of ADHD is that I don't just, I never use PowerPoint. I hate it. I simply get on stage and I tell stories. And if you can do that, if you can tell stories and have a point, that's going to make you a great storyteller and you can use your ADHD to that advantage. But again, at the end of the day, any tech I can use, any tools, tricks, tips. The only downside is that occasionally you get it, you get too excited. I went for a run this morning. I'm training for an Ironman. And I went for a run this morning. And in new sneakers, I had no zero pain on my feet. I'm like, this is amazing. And I just kept running. And I was only supposed to do four miles or, or three miles. I wound up doing five. And I also was 20 minutes late to my training session, my lifting session at the gym, because I was supposed to run for 45 minutes to the gym. And I totally forgot because I was so excited that my feet weren't hurting. So it, it, it's constantly a battle, but it's an exciting one. And I'd be remiss if I didn't throw this in there. I am doing an Ironman in October. It'll be my third Ironman. And I'm doing it for Leukemia Lymphoma Society because I lost someone very close to me to blood cancer. If you guys have a few bucks, it's shankman.com slash Ironman. We'll take you to the leukemia site. Donate a few bucks uh, for okay. my Ironman and, and help find an end to blood cancer. All right, let's back to point. Yeah, I'll put we'll put the links uh, to, to that after any of these clips for sure, Peter. And sorry, sorry to hear about that loss. And if I could survive a, a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 mile marathon without dying, I guarantee you she'll be in heaven. She'll be like, "You fucking loser!" But I'm excited. <laughs> well, that, that gets me onto some some of the questions you have. And I guess yeah. there's an anecdote here. The only other person I've ever spoken to who's done an Ironman apart from you is actually my my older brother, and I, it just blows my mind how people do that. But I, well, I, but that's ADHD. 
right? Our, the logic is that a marathon isn't good enough. It's boring. And I also look at the line of why should I suck at one sport when I can suck at three sports? <laughs> right? you know, I'm going to be terrible at three sports, not just one. If you look at, if you look at my favorite story is I, I was doing my first one and I, I was talking about it and to, in my mailing list. And someone worked for uh, Jelly Belly, the, the jelly bean company, and they make sport beans, these Gatorade jelly beans. And they sent me a shirt with jelly beans all over it. And, and I'm waiting for the race to start, and I'm wearing the shirt. And some guy comes up to me, ah, I see you, a sponsored athlete, the German guy who weighs like eight pounds. And he's like, you're <laughs> hoping to win? I'm like, dude, I'm sponsored by fucking candy. I'm not hoping to win. What the hell? You know? But it's like, <laughs> we do it because it's fun. It's exciting. It's something new. I will be high as a kite for four weeks after I finish that Ironman. Right? You burn right. 10,000 calories, you get enough dopamine to keep you going for a month and a half. Yeah. So can we, can we try and get on to some of the more structured questions we have? Because firstly, I absolutely love how ADHD you are, obviously. Like, I, was gonna say, I love how you try to control the conversation with someone who's ADHD. That's cute. I know, I know but this is this <laughs> ultimate difficulty. But, but I've, we had so many qu questions that have been submitted, and I, I really want to basically get your thoughts on some of them so the people who are listening can benefit from your genius. That's how to put it. But okay, we have quite a lot here. Okay, here's one that I've actually been thinking about quite a lot, Peter. I've had a, a lot of people in a business context, when I say I've got ADHD, go, oh, I think I've got ADHD as well. Or, oh, I'm a bit like ADHD. So going into how you relate ADHD to your work, you're very open about it. You tell everyone about it. You shout it from the sky, right? And I guess my first question is, how did you come to deciding to be so open about it? And then my second question is, for people who have people saying to them, I've got ADHD and the person's not diagnosed, you're not sure if they actually have it. Like, how, how do you deal with that? Because you don't want to dismiss it. You want to be skeptical of them. But at the same time, I think people do say they have ADHD and maybe perhaps they don't have it or have it in the same way we do. A lot of people who say they have ADHD do not have ADHD. They say, oh, I can't find my keys. I must have ADHD. No, idiot. Just put up a hook and put your keys there when you come home. You don't have ADHD. The flip side is that I refuse ever, I refuse to blame anything I've done wrong on ADHD. I will not do that. I don't look at ADHD as an excuse for anything I've ever done. For me, the good parts are great and I'm happy to share those with the world. The bad parts are on me to fix. So for me, it's really about understanding what I can do to, I, I don't say explain, look, a lot of what I do is explain to people that they're not broken but rather they're gifted. Too many people walk around, they've been given a diagnosis of broken, right? When they were in primary school or whatever, and they've been told that there is something desperately wrong with them and they need medication to fix them. You need medication when you have a disease. You need medication. And look, I'm not anti-med, right? I have a prescription for Concerta. I just take it maybe once a month, right? Twice a month, three times a month if I need it. When my assistant says, dude, if you don't get the expense reports in, your clients aren't going to pay us, do the expense reports, I don't fucking write, you know, and I'll wake up and I'll take a <laughs> pill and I'll get it done. But for almost everything else, I find natural ways to get it. So I don't necessarily call ADHD a disease or a diagnosis. I consider myself very lucky to have it because I can't imagine how boring my life would be if I was just like everyone else. You get diagnosed with cancer, you get diagnosed with a broken leg. I've never seen anyone get diagnosed with any lottery. I've never gotten diagnosed with a supermodel wanting to date me. I've never gotten anything with a supermodel wanting to date me, but that's neither here nor there. At the end, I consider myself very lucky to have it. And again, but like Spider-Man said, with great power comes great responsibility. If I have it, I need to make sure that I use that wisely. And that comes from understanding myself. I quit drinking for several years because 
I don't have one drink. Most people with ADHD do not have the ability to have one drink. I don't have one drink. I have six. Not because I'm trying to get drunk, but because I drink water at the exact same speed. Fast. If it's there, it's in front of me. And the difference is the difference between water and tequila is tequila makes you do stupid shit. <laughs> and I don't have one drink. I have four. And then all of a sudden, it seems like a fucking brilliant idea to call that drug dealer I knew in high school 30 years ago. It's not a brilliant idea. So it's and but then I realized after after several years of not drinking, I was like, you know what? I enjoy the occasional drink. So how can I set up rules to keep myself in check? So I don't go to bars. Not that we've been going to bars anyway in the past year. I don't go to bars. I don't drink outside. I will invite daughters home. I will invite. Honey, happy birthday. I am on a call. I'll be off pretty soon. I'll come out and say hi, okay? I love you. Okay, so for me, and her birthday's not till tomorrow. I'm not that horrible of a dad that I'm having a conversation on her actual birthday. But for me, I won't go out to a bar. I won't have a drink outside of my apartment. I will invite a friend or two who I trust over, and we will share a bottle of something very good with the premise that when it's gone, that's it. And, and maybe I'll do that two to three times a year. So it's about, it's a, again, it's about understanding your limits and your boundaries and understanding what works for you and why. Can I ask a bit about this balance between the, the things you use to manage it then? ADHD, as you understand it, is caused by dopamine insufficiency or instability. And we'll look for solutions to manage that, of which alcohol is one. And I'll be quite transparent. For me, I'm still on that kind of cycle where I take meds and then I have a drink and that's how I'm managing it. But from the sounds of it, you've got away from that, which is what I personally want to do. And you just hit exercise really hard. And I guess I've got two, two questions here. One very specific one, which is about actually how you balance concerta usage. And this is actually coming from Khaled, who's, who's listening in, who, who's a doctor, he's in his robes right now. And his question was, at least certainly in the UK, when medics ask us and, and recommend us to take medication, they try to recommend us to take very consistent doses. Um, yep. And what you're saying, and this gets into the second question, is slightly different, which is that you've moved away from the medication and the alcohol, and you're hitting exercise really hard and you're doing that, and you're managing your diet and stuff. And Nick will come on to ask some questions about the dietary stuff later. Yeah. But can you answer that balance between Medicaid, sure. your medics re require that, and then tell us all about exercise? Yeah, by all means. Before I do that, I want to call out Robin V. Robin, it's something called exaggeration. I do not get enough dopamine from doing an Ironman to last four weeks. That is exaggeration. It's, it's a <laughs> wonderful tool that storytellers use to get their point across. What I meant by that is that when I've done an Ironman, you know what happens after people do an Ironman? It's the same thing that happens after people do CrossFit. You know what that is? They fucking tell everyone about it, right? <laughs> I will spend the next four weeks telling anyone who will listen that I've just done an Ironman so point by point, blow by blow. And you know what happens when I tell those stories? Guess what I get from telling those stories? I'll give you one <laughs> guess. There we go. Okay, good. So now we're on the same page there. Now, to answer that question, I talked to my doctor when I first got my, my first prescription for Concerta because I don't want to, first of all, I'm a 49-year-old or almost 49-year-old um, uh, white male in New York City who eats way too much pizza regardless of how much I exercise. So I am always going to have the premise of not the best. I try to make my diet as good as possible, but it's also in my family history that I have slightly elevated blood pressure. So I'm not going to sit there and want to be on a medication that raises my blood pressure to begin with every single day especially when I'm fighting to keep my blood pressure lower. So I will suggest that, and I talked to my doctor about this. I'm like, do you want you to take it every single day? And he's like, the answer is no. You take it when you need hardcore focus. He goes, you have, you get your focus in certain ways. And if that's enough for you, great. You don't need the medication. He said something phenomenal to me several years ago. And I've never forgotten this. He said, 
a headache does not, what did he say? A headache doesn't mean you have an aspirin deficiency. And that line blew my mind, right? Because just because I can get extra dopamine and extra focus and extra everything I need from a, a little pill doesn't mean I need it. If there are other ways that I can get it, like I won't go into a meeting. If I, back when we used to have meetings, I was in an office, I had an office on the 16th floor of a building in Midtown. I would, 10 minutes before the meeting, I'd take the elevator to the lobby and walk up 16 flights. And that would give me more than enough brain power, dopamine, whatever it is, to keep me mm. focused. So it really is what you need it to be. There's a wonderful app out there, Focus at Will. All right, and here's a killer. We had the guy who founded Focus at Will on the Fast and Normal podcast last week. Do you know who he is? He's a freaking guitarist from London Beat, which is probably way too old for any of you, most of you to remember. But if you guys are around the 80s, the song that played in the 80s nonstop was called I've Been Thinking About You. It literally, you could not walk down the street without being slammed by that song. And the freaking guitarist and lead singer of London Beat wound up starting Focus at Will. It's unbelievable. But anyway, I digress. For me, having... Concerta and knowing that it's there and knowing that if I need to take it, I can helps just as much as taking it or the exercise I get that I use when I don't have to take. I can tell you that Thursday morning, I'm getting on a plane for a five hour flight and the flight is about 6 a.m. So I'm probably gonna get up at around 3 a.m., do the bike for 45 minutes. And I'm still gonna take a Concerta because I wanna use all five hours. And while I'd probably do it on the plane anyway, I'm gonna make sure I, yeah, on Thursday, I'm gonna take a Concerta. Now, I should also say, I'm, again, I'm not anti-med. I think that for some people, taking a medication every single day is probably the best thing in the world has changed their lives for the better. I do feel that at least in the United States, you, you have five-year-olds who are acting squirmy on their little nap mats in, in preschool. They're acting like they have ADHD, but in fact, maybe they're just five and don't actually need to be put on meds. But the second they get squirmy, the second they get different than everyone else, the teachers, the, the psychologists, everyone recommends meds. And that is where I have an issue with it. Because I do, there's a big part of me that believes we're drugging the creativity out of a future generation of leaders. And that is a problem. Thank you, that was amazing. Um, oh, I should answer the, the question. Focus at Will is actually, it's an app. And what it does is it plays different types of music, everything from techno to whatever, but it's not music with words. It's simply music that you keep on in the background and it's been proven by scientists to allow you to focus better. Totally worth it. Huge fan. So one of the things I've been finding since reading your book, I think the two big takeaways for me were the black t-shirts in the morning in, in the room of choice, and then trying to substitute exercise in instead of actually drinking often. Because I found if I was coming down from uh, Ritalin, if I'd gone for a run that day, I wouldn't feel like I wanted to have a drink. I'd actually just meditate, read a book and be quite chilled out. But I hear a lot of people talking about dietary stuff, you being one of them. And I think Nick, if I can bring him on, has, has a bunch yeah. of questions about this. Nick's a personal trainer who works specifically with people with ADHD and has a real interest in this area. Yeah. Hi, Pete. I've really enjoyed the, the info and I, I found it really insightful. Specifically diet. I know you said you love a good pizza. I'm exactly the same. I would smash three or four pizzas in one go. <laughs> but now I know, I've realized that oh, I'm, I'm gluten-free, but even, even being gluten-free pizza, I've realized my blood sugar levels go up and down and up and down and up and down. And as you probably know, ADHD is glucose dysregulation. Yep. Do you agree that basically carbs are the the enemy of ADHD, because I know Candida has sugars 
and that can be found in, in many carbs and high FODMAP foods. Do, do you have that problem with carbohydrate at all? 100%. So if I eat bad carbs, yeah. white flour, and pasta, carbs. whatever, yeah. I'm logy. I'm nowhere near as, as good as I could be. I'm waiting on a device that's supposed to be shipping to the US in May. It's actually a, a thing that you wear on your arm. It sticks into your arm. It, yeah, it, glucose it, monitor. Right. 24 hours, just, just with your phone. So I'm really psyched for that. I want to start doing a lot more body hacking and tracking that. I take my glucose every morning and I can tell you, I started tracking how I feel at the end of my day based on you know how my glucose was in the morning. And there's definitely a connection there. There's no question about it. But yeah, it, it's basically the healthier I eat, the better I feel. The crappier I eat, the shittier I feel. And it's, it's not rocket science in that regard. I find that if I stick with salads, if I stick with proteins, lean meats, yeah. fish, things like that, I can make a killer steak. So I'll make myself a, a, a lean flank steak or sometimes I'll make myself a porterhouse, whatever it depends. But all for the protein. The problem is that unless I want to be in ketosis full time, I need the carbs for exercise. And so I'm trying to find that balance. So like right now I'm ramping up my training for the Ironman. And so I need the carbs. If I do a three hour ride in the morning or a two hour run and and I wind up and I'm not eating carbs, I'm gone by 6 p.m. I got nothing to tank because I'm not in ketosis yet. It's my body saying, okay, let's switch over. And you get the keto flu and it takes two a week, whatever to come out of that. So it's a tough, it's a tough balance, but I do try to find it. And no, Russell, I'm never going to tell you to give up chocolate. Don't worry. A, a leading on question from this. So Nick's actually leading go-to-market for a, a new startup that's launching in the UK called uh, I equals one, which is based upon this idea. N equals one. N equals one, Jesus, sorry. So where, where there's a medical sample size, you have a control variable of one, which is always based around this philosophical idea of actually developing personalized data profiles for people in relation to their health. And we know you test a lot. And I guess, Nick, what, what are you guys w w working on there? Because it goes beyond the, the biometric yeah. stuff. So it's essentially an IT solution that helps myself and other PTs down the line track their clients' results, but not just vague results, scientific-backed results. And he found in his testing, original testing with marathon runners, Pete, I know you said you're doing an Ironman. That's even bigger than a marathon, but there can still be a judgment of certain chemicals in your body that enables you to be at optimum capacity. And he found that zinc levels were low or magnesium levels were too high. And it's absolutely fascinating. Vitamin D can also play a huge part in energy levels. For me, glucose is so important. Celiac levels of IgA antibodies are also so important. It's essentially an interface to give the members, client, my clients, other clients, the access to essentially a repository of their, yeah, their science-backed results. Of that kind of data, because I think at the moment we're taking um, data from our phones and our apps, and maybe it measures your pulse and checks what you eat. Yeah. But I think there's this whole new thing coming where you can take your blood sort of once a month, and then that by that data can be there for you. But like for you, like not for the companies, not for the insurers. Right. And I guess my question was like, you seem to have pretty much gone up to that point. Have you thought of that point? Have you gone to that point of actually looking at that kind of data? Would you do that kind of data? I track as much as I possibly can. Men lie, women lie, children sometimes lie a lot. <laughs> data doesn't lie. You can manipulate data, but the raw data doesn't lie. Yeah. And so when I know, when I get my numbers, when I take my blood pressure and I know that I've had some great workouts and my blood pressure goes down and things like that, that data in itself, is a dopamine hit for me. Just to know that I've done something, I'm doing the right thing and I'm getting the results I want, 
That's just mm. as hot. I like tracking that stuff. I'm actually, I'm learning a lot about right now about totally spacing on the name peptides. Yeah. Right. Learning a ton about peptides. Nice. I work with a, a doctor who has a clinic. Uh, he's a clinic that handles, it was it started off as a plastic surgery clinic. Now he's, it's evolved into a men's uh, health clinic and that it's everything from reproductive health to testosterone uh, therapy and things like that. And he's doing a ton of research in peptides and I'm, I'm just guinea pig a little bit and I'm fascinated by the stuff that I'm learning from it. It is just awesome. So everything that I can learn, everything that I can uh, track, if it's trackable, I can change it is how I look at it. I can't change things that I can't track. If I'm not, why do we track our runs? If we didn't post our run on Strava, did it really happen? We track our runs because we want to know our data. We want to know if we're doing better than yesterday. I ran this morning. I got five PRs out of, out of eight, eight efforts. That's huge. And that will make me want to work harder later. So yeah, I track every single thing as much as possible. Can I ask a, another question? I was on my mind about whether to ask this or not. So I've got a friend who's based out in America and is working at a startup that's been stealth mode. And they're working on a neurostim tech, which is where electrodes in your brain will start to directly uh, regulate things like dopamine deficiencies, which is something that I think a lot of people have ADHD are like, oh my God, like you know, Steve Jobs is going to be in our head, like controlling <laughs> our brains. Have you thought that far forward of going to the root cause and just hitting dopamine I, regulation? I'm actually a futurist for a, for a marketing firm in the Midwest. And I look at the kind of things we talk about. And yeah, there is a part of me that would love that. A friend of mine in Russia who I met in Shanghai at an event we were doing that I was that was invited to for Huawei has RFID chips in his hands. And it does everything from open his car door to start his car to he can pay for things or whatever just by waving his hand over it. I just want him, I want that because I want to be able to do the Star Wars thing as I walk through the door and, and open it. <laughs> I am all for technology. I'm also of the belief that all our data has been stolen years and years ago and will continue to be, right? There is nothing private anymore. It doesn't exist. It never does. So if, we, if we're okay with that, quite frankly, I, I, I don't think I have nudes out there, but if I do, let someone steal them. They're not, it's, the same, it's, the, it's the same reason, no. It's the same reason why people say, oh my God, you live on the 56th floor surrounded by windows. Do you ever close your blinds? I'm like, dude, if someone's out there with a telescope and sees me stepping out of the shower naked, they're not going to look again. <laughs> so there really is no, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I look at the same premise. I've had my, I've had my, my credit card stolen. If all that should happen. So I'm not so much concerned about privacy. Is it going to come down to what they can sell? Of course, it's the same thing that Google does. It's all that stuff. I have really no issue with that. If I'm smart enough to understand that I'm being marketed to, I'm smart enough to turn it off and to be able to ignore it. I have no doubt that we're going to be in a world within five years that was in the movie. What was the movie with Tom Cruise and the precogs? Uh, oh, um, uh, but, but, no. Mission Impossible. I never no. remember the name of it. Backup. They're the backup one where like they do yeah. a simulation. Minority reports. Exactly. Minority reports. Oh, yes. Great yes. 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 When he walks <laughs> into the, the mall and the thing tracks him and says, uh, you know, good to see you again, Mr. Whoever. How would those pants work out for you? So I'm cool with that. I have no problem with that. But again, it's it's what I know. It is definitely a Black Mirror aspect of it. But again, it doesn't really, I, I don't really care that much. I use, I, I don't think, again, I don't think I'm that important enough to, I'm not important enough to be hacked. It is what it is. So if I, if it can better my life, look, why did parents start joining Facebook? A, because their kids were on it. Why did they stay? Because all of a sudden they could realize they could save a quarter point on their mortgage if they, mm. if they clicked on an ad. Holy shit, that works. Okay, Peter, I, I'm aware that, we're now taking 
away I, I quality know, time from about, your daughter. I'll about 10, 10 till. I'll give you um, another seven or eight minutes. I have one like quite, it's not too niche question. It's about exercise. Okay. So you, in, in his book, you talk about this idea of like, you go, you'd be in a meeting, you'd have a break between two meetings and then he'd walk up and down the stairs or go into another room and do some star jumps. This is coming from a man who's also a skydiver. So talk us through the difference in the dopamine effects of those little star jumps and the fucking skydiving. Like, how does that work? The star jumps are enough to keep me going for the next hour in a boring meeting. Okay. The skydiving is enough to allow me to get a dopamine boost that will let me sit down and focus for the next two or three hours, but hardcore focus, right? The star jumps, the running up and down the stairs, that's enough to keep me engaged so that when they call me and they say, Peter, what are your thoughts? I go, I don't go, huh? You know, it actually allows me to have an answer. I will do a skydive. I will land. I will take my gear off, throw it in the corner of the hangar and pull out my laptop and write 10,000 words in 20 minutes. And I've done that. There are countless times when I've, if I shut off my, if I shut off my video, that image of me is my all-time favorite picture. That is me over the pyramids of Giza. And I skydived over the pyramids of Giza last October in Egypt. And when I, when I landed, I was high as a kite. And it was like a, a, a two hour drive back to the hotel it was like, it was less than two miles, but Egyptian traffic, it took about two hours. I deliberately brought my laptop onto the, uh, onto the bus because I knew we had a two hour drive and I just wrote my ass off. I was so high from that. And that to me is the benefit of anything that, that affects your brain in that kind of way. Yeah. I love this idea of managing time Pre to prep for this. I actually wrote so many notes, but I realized now the man's a TEDx speaker of ADHD. I didn't need to overprepare. You've been so <laughs> fantastic. I, I went down. And I went to a pub and went to my mate and I was like, meet me in this pub in, in an hour. And then I was like, I've got an hour. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I think at the end of the day, I find that a lot of things I work on and a lot of things I do, when I enjoy them, I'm obviously much more apt to do them. When I don't enjoy them, I need to make them those even a higher priority. I just got a, a, a text message. I have someone who handles my SEO and uh, I've owed her an article for about two weeks now that I just have not had any desire to write. And she literally texted me today because she's been texting me every day for the past weeks my article is my article and she literally texted me about a half an hour before this call and said if i were your goldfish i'd be dead <laughs> <laughs> and she's right seo stands for search engine optimization it allows me to get noticed on this on guy is the king of seo by the way oh. as a digital marketer myself you spend all Thank this you. time trying to get people to backlink to you this guy made this godsend tool where you just write your thing and put it out there and then connects you with people who will link to you it's the greatest hack ever. I imagine, can you quickly before you go, just when did that idea come to you? It came to me on a flight between LA and Houston. I was connecting to New York. And so I came up with the idea on a flight between LA and Houston. And I, I built it I built it on the flight between Houston and New York. And the next day we had users. Uh, it's called Help a Reporter Out or Harrow. It connects <clears throat> journalists with sources all around the world. It's a free service. You can sign up for it. And every day you'll get a bunch of a bunch of queries from journalists. And if you know what they're talking about, you can answer their query, you just respond to them and, and you'll wind up getting free press. And yeah, I built it in 2007, launched in like late 2007. And in 2010, it was acquired by PR Newswire. So I got really lucky with that. It's uh, helperreporter.com. Yeah, to tell this off, to, to, be, to be clear to everyone, that idea he had on that plane is hands down redefined the internet. You know, as a digital marketer myself, I build websites. I think about writing content. I think about how to get them links, which is how Google ranks them. His system is just some hack cheat code where you can just go to the people who might want to link with you direct to them. And it's so simple when you think of it, but I hate to imagine how people 
approach that work prior to that tool. Oh, but, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. Peter, you're, you're an absolute champion and, and an inspiration who's genuinely, seriously you know, changed my life in so many positive ways. My pleasure. Before I leave, I just want to, I want to let everyone know I'm at Peter Shankman on all the socials, everything from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook to Peloton. It's at Peter Shankman everywhere, Snapchat, uh, whatever, TikTok. One more time, I'm going to throw it out there. I have a crypto coin that was just launched about Oh God, two months ago, it was launched at 33 cents and it just crossed over $5. It is, if you make an account at rally.io and send me an email, I'll send you some, uh, I'll send you some, uh, a couple of coins for free just for the heck of it. But uh, yeah, thank you guys. And one more time, shankman.com slash Ironman. If you want to drop a few bucks to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society for me, I'd, I'd be greatly appreciative. But Definitely. no, I'm glad to be on, man. It was awesome. I much love that. has been Peter Shankman. Thank you so much. Cheers. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you.